There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What is up, football fans? I'm Danny Austin. This is the Live from the 55 podcast. We are broadcasting from our Marder Loop, Calgary, Alberta, Canada studios. We are, what, two days removed from the start of the final weekend of the CFL regular season. Maybe not the most inspiring set of games this year or this week, but that doesn't mean we don't have a lot to talk about. We do, uh, probably more than normal, to be perfectly honest with you, because team awards came out today. So we can sort of start breaking down who is going to be up for most outstanding Canadian, most outstanding player. I don't know why I started with Canadian. That just kind of rolled off the tongue after a great start here. Um, yeah, lots of lots of stuff there. So we're going to talk a little bit about all of that and uh, very excited. I've got Ben Grant coming on. Uh, the podcast now um ben is is based in toronto and he does a ton of stuff covering the argos and as a lot of you know there aren't a lot of people who do argos coverage right now um you know he's color analyst on tsn radio uh x's and argos contributor at three down nation you know ben's just a really smart guy who um is deeply deeply knowledgeable about football and i think is doing something really important because we don't like th- this Argos team. I genuinely believe they are historically good. Um, I think that the season that they've had is absolutely incredible. And I think that it deserves to be talked about. And Ben's the guy right now, in my opinion. And I'm really excited to have him on. I mentioned this uh, a week ago on the podcast and Ben happened to like literally before the podcast went up, uh, him and I were just talking on Twitter. So it, it worked out perfectly. And I'm really excited to have him on. We're not just going to talk Argos. We're going to do a fair bit of Argos talk, but we're going to talk about the East Division. We're going to talk about the West Division. We're going to talk about the awards. There's a ton to talk about. And very excited to have Ben on. So uh, we'll be getting to him probably in, you know, five, ten minutes here. Talk to him for half an hour and and, and wrap it up. But, you know, lots of CFL news. I, I do think, uh, obviously, we kind of have to start with the news that Craig Dickinson will not be returning as as the head coach of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, I think that we all saw this coming. The Riders for the second year in a row completely collapsed in the back half of the season. Uh, this is something we've talked about, but I coming out of Labor Day weekend, they just beat the Lions, they beat the Bombers. I couldn't, um, I could not see a world in which they didn't make the playoffs. And not only in that Saskatchewan market, I think that the Saskatchewan market matters um and, and these things are obviously under a microscope there but i think that unfortunately the way it has gone the last two seasons with them just not being able to win games in the back half of the year and them missing the playoffs 
it, that that's that, that doesn't cut it unfortunately so craig is just honestly i mean he is one of the best people in in football he's a guy i have all the time in the world for i hope he has another opportunity to be a head coach because i think that this is a what have you done for me lately sport all sports are um but i, I do think people forget how close he got the, the riders um you know 2019 they were in the west final hosting that game at home um they were honestly one or two plays away from beating the bombers. You know, you think back to how different sort of the narrative around the CFL would have been had one of those sort of gold goal night goal line stands gone the riders' way. And and they easily could have won that game and, and, and won the Grey Cup. And this sort of dynasty, this this run of dominance by the bombers would look very different. Uh, but you know, he also, you know, they finished second in the West in 2021 and um they they won a home playoff game against Stampeders. I was at that game when I paired us. Uh, did miss a couple field goals. The, the Stamps likely should have and could have won that game. But, you know, that's two West Finals in a row, and that's no small thing. Um, look at the coaches around the league. There's a lot of guys who haven't had that much success. So um, it's it's too bad. I think Craig Dickinson is a good coach. I think uh, I'm not I'm not saying I don't understand why they're moving on. I, I, I do. Um, I think that they have to. I think that the fans want change. I think that maybe the organization needs change. Um, but I don't think that that means that Craig Dickinson is a bad coach. I know he's going to get another job doing something, whether it's special teams coordinator, whether it's something else uh, around the CFL. He is not going to be out of work for long. Um, but I don't think that this has to be the final word on him as a head coach. I just think that he did have more success than maybe we're giving him credit for because of the way the last two seasons go went. I, I don't think – no, I do think. I, I think that there was – maybe part of it was the Garrett Marino stuff, but there was sort of an air of toxicity around the riders. Uh, at least that was my perception, particularly in 2022 from afar. And I, I don't know. It just – the way things spiraled last this year over the last six, seven weeks of the season, um, it's weird – I know they didn't really have a quarterback, but they they just they didn't have it, and uh, you know they had the Stampeders on the ropes coming out of those Labor Day games. You know it. I look, you guys can go back. I wouldn't. There's no reason to go back and listen to a CFL podcast from two months ago. It's nice enough that you're listening to this one, but you can go back. And I I had me and Busby, all of us, pretty much other than sort of Ryan Valentine, had really ruled the Stampeders out because the Riders had just won enough games. They only needed to win one more, really. And then for them not to be able to get over the finish line, um, you know, I understand there being a lot of disappointment, probably some anger. Um, do I think it's a little bit strange keeping your GM when you're going to your head coach with the way this has gone? I do. Um, but either way, sorry to see Craig Dinkins can go. Uh, looking forward to seeing where he lands next. He will not be gone for long. Great guy. Understandable that it is time for the riders to kind of go in a different direction. So, um, yeah, let's uh, let's take a look. Moving on from that, because you know that's 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 a sad topic, and we're here. The playoffs are right around the corner. As I said, I don't know how much I need to unpack a CFL weekend on my own here. That includes three games where neither team can move up or down in the state in the standings. Um, Bomber stamps. I broke this down a little bit on on Monday's episode, but bomber stamps. I suspect we see Jake Mayer for the first half, and then the stamps. You know, give a look to all three of their. Oh, yeah, it's probably not. Well, 
I suspect we're going to see the Stampeders backups in this game. I think the Stamps are going to want to take a look at what they do when the bullets are flying and it's live football. But I, I don't, there's just not a ton of intrigue. Winnipeg is first in the, the West. Calgary's going to finish third. Um, it's cold here in Calgary. If you're listening from outside the market, like it has been one of those weird October weeks where we just got so much snow and it's very cold. So I think both teams are going to be understandably just kind of trying to guard against injury as best they can. So look, I, I'm not trying to bash any of these games. We're, I, I'm going to be watching it. I'm going to be at McMahon. Um, Hamilton, Montreal, this game I also expect. This is Saturday afternoon. It's 2 p.m. Mountain Time, 4 p.m. Eastern. Um, if you're the Hats or the Alouettes and you know that next weekend you guys have a rematch in the East semifinal in a game that actually matters and can define your season, you're obviously not showing much in this game. So, again, let's see. Uh, do bragging rights matter? Do can you gain a little bit of momentum by winning a game like this? I don't know that you can, but either way, I mean, this is this is the problem with talking. I don't want to unpack these games too much because I don't think we're going to be seeing many starters. We already see it's Toronto, Ottawa on Saturday night. Well, we know that Chad Kelly is dressing, but they don't intend on playing him. Ottawa has absolutely nothing to play for. I'm sure that they're just kind of ready to go home and, and put this season in the rearview mirror. So, again, I'm not trying to be negative at all. I'm really not. It's just that this is not the most exciting weekend of football around the CFL. Um I'm going to talk a little bit about all this stuff with Ben, but we did get the most uh, or, or the team award winners announced. Um, I am a voter in Calgary. Uh, I voted for Reggie Bagleton for most outstanding player. Uh, Calgary's nomination for for defensive player was Micah Awe. Uh, yet yet to sort of do a number one and a number two. I'll be honest that I actually didn't have Awe as my number one or my number two. Um, I had Mike Rose as my number one and Cam Judge as my number two. But look, Mike always leading the league in, in tackles. So uh, I to- totally understand why my colleagues, they got their votes too, and I'm not always right. So good on them, Mike Alway. Most outstanding Canadian is Cam Judge. That, that for me was really a no-brainer. Um, Cam Judge has saved this Stampeder season with a couple of huge plays over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I honestly considered voting him. He might have been second place for most outstanding player for me um i have to go back and check but i believe that's you offensive lineman sean McEwen. um i i had him first ryan siever second and then most outstanding special teams player uh renee paradise got the calgary nomination i did uh actually go with darius williams um no knock on renee though and then most outstanding rookie uh in calgary we are going to go through the rest of the league here to be clear but um clark barnes got the nomination clark barnes hasn't played in several months but was exceptional his stats aren't up see if i got a very angry email from someone saying that i complain about they're not being stats too much not sorry about that but can't give you his stats but he was exceptional um i think the main stories coming out of all this around the league uh no surprise bc Brandon adams jr look there's there's some great players on the list of most outstanding player nominations uh no doubt about that but i also think that if we're being honest with each other um there's a pretty clear top three. Vernon Adams Jr. out of BC. He's he's there. Nomination, Brady Oliveira out of Winnipeg. I don't think that's a surprise. I think Brady Oliveira, I mean, this is a guy who has set records uh, or come close to setting records this season. He has been the best running back in the CFL. Pretty amazing. Um, we've talked about this, but the fact that you, know, you went from Andrew Harris, they have this dominant Canadian running back, and now they've got a guy who looks like, I don't, know, I don't want to say Andrew Harris 2.0, but another Canadian kid from Winnipeg, um, just absolutely dominant. I'm, I'm Honestly, Zach Claros is one of the stars of this league, and I would have had no problem with him being Winnipeg's nomination, but I think that the, the voters in Winnipeg, my colleagues, 
pretty much all of whom we've had on this podcast. I think they got it right. And I think Brady Oliveira is going to be the guy who comes out of the West and then ultimately will probably lose to Chad Kelly, who, you know, is trying to organize quarterback. We are going to be talking about him on this podcast. I assure you once I get Ben here. Um, but yeah, that's pretty, pretty obvious. Uh, most outstanding defensive player, I think is pretty obviously going to be Matthew Batts out of BC. Um, you know, set the record for, Sacks by a Canadian is just uh, exceptional. Had a, had a great season. Um, I I know he he got off to a really far fast start, so there was sort of like this narrative that maybe you know there was a lull, but he also finished pretty strong. I, I just think Matthew Betts has had an amazing season. That is probably pretty inevitable. Uh, shout out Willie Jefferson, who was amazing too. There's there's some great guys here: Darius Pickett, Simone Lawrence. Uh, I just think Matthew Betts had the type of year that is going to. Is, is, is going to push him over the line. Deservedly so. Most outstanding Canadian, that for me is clearly going to be Oliveira. Um, you know, it'll probably be between him and Betts, but quite clearly, as I, for all the reasons I listened, Oliveira is just, I mean, he's carried that Winnipeg team at times. I, he's been just a re- revelation. Uh, amazing to watch. Uh, offensive lineman, I'm not going to go into too much because I have to do more research and I, I don't want to just be tossing things out there for the sake of it. I thought it was notable that Jamarcus Hardrick uh, out of Winnipeg Got it. Stanley Bryant sort of been a, a given there, but um, Marcus Hardrick's an exceptional player too. So yeah, and then special teams. Similarly, I uh, got to do some more research. Go into this, um, man. Some real, some real special players on that list, though. Um, I'm curious how that goes, and then rookie. Yeah. So those last three. I'm just not going to lie to you. I'm not going to, I'm also not going to say anything that's going to get me in trouble in a couple of weeks when everyone's like, look what an idiot Danny is. Um, so I have to do more research, but you know, it's that time of the year. We get talking about this stuff. I think by and large, you know, this stuff's right. I, I think that they did a terrific job. Um, I think voters got a lot of things right this year. So um, I'm not going to go too far into that. Let's get to Ben Grant. Um, I, Ben's a really interesting guy. I'm really, really looking forward to this. Um, he knows his stuff. And uh, yeah, you know, beyond that, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, shout out my producer, Jack, over there. Just killing it. Um, I don't know. Shout out to Mugs Pub. Shout out to Fraser and Fig. Let's, uh, we're going to jump to our sponsor stuff here, and then we're going to get to Ben. So um, yeah, looking forward to it, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, let's get to Ben. Guys, let's say you're having a party. Let's say you're having a picnic. Let's say you're having any occasion. Got to talk to you about Fraser and Fig. I love these guys here in Martin Loop, a couple storefronts down from our studio here. Fraser and Fig, man, these guys do these delicious elevated cheese and charcuterie boxes. You know, they're made with all these fresh artisanal ingredients, on-demand grazing, pickup, delivery. You got it. Just let them know what you want. They will get it to you. Honestly, I'm such a big fan. I had a picnic a little while ago. I brought one of their curated boxes and it was a huge hit. I looked great. People loved it. We're hungry. They weren't hungry anymore. These ready-to-go boxes, they got them in four sizes. All their boxes come with meat, cheese, dried fruit, fresh fruit, nuts, olives, pickles, and carrots. Their selections vary from month to month. Choices are always new. You know, just because you've had one doesn't mean you've had them all. I love Fraser and Fig. I love having them as a sponsor. They're the best. Make sure you check them out. Tell them by from the 55 sent you. Ben, I introduced you uh, prior to getting you on. Can you introduce yourself? Because, like, I, I basically used your Twitter profile and i was like here's the list of things but like how would you how do you describe yourself when you're when you're talking to people in terms of your your role within cfl and argos coverage so i guess i start usually uh that i do the uh color for the radio broadcast for the toronto argonauts 
I also write for Three Down Nation, and you can find a lot of my stuff at X's and Argos as well. That's sort of where it began with X's and Argos, because there wasn't enough Argos coverage, and then everything kind of exploded, and now I'm doing lots of different things. Now, one thing I do want to add, though, make sure if you're going to follow me on Twitter that it's double underscore, Ben double underscore Grant, because there's a guy in London that gets very upset at me every time people start following him instead. London, England, or Ontario? Uh, London, England. Okay. Um, <laughs> well... We're sorry to that Ben Grant double underscore guys get it right. Um, right. But yeah, Ben is 100% a worthy follow, and I, I I do think like honestly, I mean for me, you're pretty essential because um, there has not been a tremendous amount of Argos coverage um, from the Toronto media for a number of years. But uh, there, there's unfortunately been even less this season uh, as sort of the newspapers have, have stepped away. Um, so I think you're filling a really really important role. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm just as someone who grew up in Toronto, I'm grateful for for that. So it's part of a big reason why I wanted to have you on because I think that, to be honest, right now you're my number one guy in terms of uh, all things Argos. So. Well, I appreciate that, and it, there is like it, it's got such a passionate community, but it's small, and you know, there's so many other things going on. The, the city's just it's so big, and you've got you're competing with the Leafs and the Raptors and the Jays, and 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 but it doesn't even stop there. It's it's you know it's theater, it's entertainment. Like there's we we're, we're doing an Argos game last year where there was a Drake concert across the street, and Lady Gaga was playing like a few blocks away, and so you're that's what you're competing with. Yeah, and I think that's a good point. And I what I don't want to do because I think it it happens too often is we only talk about the like oh the attendance and all that. I'm actually not all that interested in that. The I, the attendance was better this year. It took a leap forward. This is a slow build, and what has happened in that Argos fan community as well as sort of obviously on the field has been absolutely incredible this year. And I I, I find that stuff a whole lot more interesting than the fact that like yes there have been attendance issues that continue to persist, but as you said. There's just so much competition for the entertainment dollar in Toronto. And I think that it's worth focusing on the fact that somehow this Argos organization has turned itself into, I mean, on the field, this is, I, I want to start with this. This is historically good, historically great, yeah. right? Yeah, this is this is a historically good football team. And there are a lot of arguments, people uh, comparing them to the Flutie Argos in terms of records. I get the comparison people, you know, we still got to see how the season ends. I think that's a really important part because there are a lot of really good 15 and three teams that don't end up winning at all. And you look at the, the, the best record of all time, the Edmonton team from, I think 1989, it was 16 and two, but they didn't win the Grey cup. So, so, so what, right. And that's, that's a really important part. So yeah, the team looks historically great, but if they don't finish it with a gray cup, then they'll be forgotten about like a lot of other teams before them that had great regular seasons. I mean, it's obviously I'm here in Calgary and I covered the stamps in 2016 and 17. So like, I know that all too well, right? Like right. those, particularly that 2016 team was, was also historically good. Um, and, and you lose. And ultimately the only team anyone remembers is the 2018 Stampeders who did win. So um, does 16 and two matter? to them like i know that chad kelly i saw today that i think matthew shinetti tweeted that chad kelly will dress but not anticipated to play my feeling is that the argos can start their backups and still beat the red blacks but do you have any sense of, of does 16 and 2 matter it, it does matter but it doesn't outweigh winning a great cup and so i think ultimately what you're going to see this week is sort of what they did last year before heading into the playoffs the last game of the season last year and the year before that for that matter they put in everybody that they could. Uh, it, it's tough sometimes salary cap wise. It's not as easy as just, you know, emptying out the entire lineup and putting in all your practice roster. It doesn't really work like that. I imagine the defense is primarily going to look the same. 
but I think you're going to see a lot of changes on offense. I think you'll see Cam Duke starting and, and the, you know, the, as many backups as they can get in probably a couple of guys that need to get back up to speed too. If they've got anyone returning from injury, like Cam Phillips, for example, he would probably get in there just to get a bit of run. But for the most part, I think you're going to see a lot of backups on, on the offensive side of the ball, which is in line with what they've done in previous seasons under coach Dinwiddie. Well, we had Sean Lemon on to celebrate his, his hundred sacks. And I got a couple of the former teammates to pop on and, they all started making fun of flow. They were like, how many games do you got to sit? And he did say he had to sit one. <laughs> I don't know if he gets the choice in that, but I, I do think that they smartly with no bye weeks in the back half of the year. I mean, resting and rotating only makes sense here. Yeah. And they've got the, they've got the players to do it too. So the, I think coach Dimity's managed that pretty well. Like they clinched September 15th. That's a really long time ago. It was, it was like, yeah, it's the end of summer. That's so hard. So they had six games where like, what do we do with this? And, I think the correct thing to do is like defensively, they just sort of rotated it. And they, even when they were dressing guys in the defensive line, they, they sometimes would dress nine defensive linemen. And so, yeah, you might have flow out there, but he's only playing a few snaps here, a few snaps there. And to, to try and manage that is actually way more difficult than you think when you start getting special teams involved too. But on the offensive side of the ball, it's been tougher. It's been hard to get the O-line rest because you can't put Chad Kelly out there if you don't have your starting O-line out there. And you don't want Chad Kelly to just sit for three straight weeks because he's going to get rusty. So I think he's managed it pretty well. The offense largely has sort of been everyone plays except against Winnipeg. And then the defense has been rotating it through. Yeah, I it, I talked to certain, I mean, some a bunch of the coaches were in Calgary, so I I, I know them. Um, talk to me about that offensive line, because it's inter- like it's clearly the best offensive line in the in the country. Um, I, I don't think like what they're leading. They've allowed the fewest sacks by 15 like or something. Yeah, I know. It's not even <laughs> close. Like it's the stats are ridiculous. They both the sacks for and sacks allowed, like it's they're they're sort of historically good. I think they're on the verge of setting an Argo's all-time record for fewest sacks allowed. And I think they're right in the conversation for most sacks too. So it's it's a uh, pretty dominant line, which is hugely important in football, obviously. That O-line is is made up of you've had pretty consistent play from left guard all the way through to right tackle at left tackle. Isaiah cage has been there, but he hasn't been healthy all season. So that has been the one place where you've seen a little bit of rotation, um, different guys coming in different weeks, but it's been so solid. The rest of the line, Ryan Hunter is playing extremely well. I think Dijon Allen at, at right tackle is actually probably playing the best of, of all the Argonauts, but yeah, left guard Ryan Hunter is amazing. And uh, Peter Nicastro, he's, He's probably got something to say about it too, because I, I don't remember the last time I saw him have a bad game. And so you got those three guys. Sirocco isn't doing anything wrong, but there are some games where I feel like he doesn't have nearly as much to do as other centers in the league. Like because he's got he's got Hunter and Nicastro on either side, and usually the center will sort of help out uh, where you've got problems. And uh, you know if you've got a, a young second year, or first year, second year guard in there, that's where the center is going to be focusing their attention. Sirocco sometimes is just dropping back. Is like. I guess, I guess I just, I guess <laughs> what, I'll just say, what do I do? Yeah, yeah. And because they, they keep such a clean pocket. Um, so like I've had trouble when I was trying to assess like his play this year, like Sorocco has been great, but he hasn't been tasked with as much as some of the other guys. Like you look at, at Beard, for example, in Hamilton, who I think probably has, has played better because he's been asked to do a lot more. Um, and you know, there are you know, three centers probably that you could, you could talk about. I think Lawrence in Montreal has been the same. Like he hasn't had the same, sort of consistency around him and so he's had to do more and he's had a great season too so but yeah that Toronto O-line it's just they they don't have they just don't let up pressure and when Isaiah Cage is in he's been outstanding 
So uh, you yeah. can't really complain. It's fascinating because I like I am guilty of this. So this is not me casting aspersions, but like with offensive lines, often like it takes a couple of years for them to fully get the respect and the um just the name recognition, to be perfectly honest with you. So I, I do feel like we're learning about this. Like we we have no choice because it's gonna have a say in where the Grey Cup goes. But um it maybe doesn't have the name recognition of a group like Winnipeg, um, while clearly being the the elite of the elite. Yeah, for sure. And, it's, and a lot of those guys are, are new names. I think, you know, if, if Peter Nicastro had played last season, I think he probably would be a name. Remember, as a rookie, uh, he was an all-star. He was in the conversation for Rookie of the Year. And then he didn't play all last season because he had a knee injury. And so I think if, if this were his third full season, he might have uh, already been a name, but he's not really. Ryan Hunter, you know, playing in the NFL, won a Super Bowl. Uh, he's not a name because he's still fairly new. He only arrived. I think his first game was in Calgary last year, which, as I recall, was October. So he's only just played over a full season. So he's not a name. And Deshaun Allen is just quietly goes about being one of the best offensive linemen in the CFL. He he's just been so consistent. And it goes back to his time at Hawaii, too, where he was at two consecutive years voted as the offensive player of the year. Like, when does that happen with <laughs> an old lineman? And that was a guy that could play all five spots. So. He's hugely valuable. And anytime I get a chance to talk about Dijon Allen, I, I, I do because he's so understated. He doesn't draw the attention that anyone else does. He's as good as any offensive lineman in the CFL. Well, and he got, I mean, he got the most outstanding offensive lineman nomination when it was announced today. So he is, I mean, clearly those of you who are voting, um, you know, view him in, in that higher ground. And there's just this part of me that has a hard time when, like when the, one team is so far ahead of the rest of their division. I sort of look at this list of Argos nominees, and I'm assuming that most of them will ultimately be up for the the CFL-wide awards, if I'm being honest with you. I mean, it's hard. I have been very on record, and, you know, I, I like poking the bear a little bit, but I, I genuinely believe that it doesn't actually matter how many games Chad Kelly played in the last sort of two months. Uh, that does mean his numbers are a little bit lower. Than, than some of the other quarterbacks, but I, I, I think he's the clear MOP um, for, for, for the CFL. I, I'm glad I think it'll be him and Brady Oliveira. But what has he, like, it's, it's fascinating because I think all of us said going into the season, maybe not in Toronto, maybe not you, but all of us were like, well, we still had the Bombers despite the Argos winning the Great Cup last year. We had the Bombers sort of as number one in our power rankings because we weren't sure about Chad Kelly. We're so par pa so far past him having to prove himself anymore. Um, but like at this point, is I guess is he your MOP? He is, and and I I wasn't I wasn't fully I was on board, but I I had Winnipeg ranked number one to start the season as well because you have yeah. to wait and see. Like I saw him all year in practice last season. I thought he would be great this year, but I hadn't seen it, and so I wasn't going to put everything on. Uh, a player that I'd only seen for a few minutes and and the last game of the season last year in the regular season, that was it. So yeah, we had to wait and see, but it, it didn't take very long. A few weeks no. into the season, I was like, okay, yeah, he is, he's the guy that we thought he would be. Um, he's been spectacular. He hasn't been, I, I think his stats haven't blown people away because often quarterback stats are really good when your team's not doing well. You look at, totally. at quarterbacks that have 450 yards passing, something probably went really wrong in that game. You know, Chad Kelly goes out and is 20 of 24 for 237 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions. Like, that's that's his game. And he just went and 
played a, a near flawless game. They turned to the running game a little bit. The problem with Toronto's team is it's hard to know what to take away. And opposing defensive coordinators have tried a lot of things with Kelly, and they haven't really found anything that that rattles him or that that throws him off. And hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live, from ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating. They always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The times that they have where they're really overcommitting to the past well, Toronto's got a good enough ground game where that has become a problem. So it, it, it's been, it's just been a really intelligent offense from coach Ryan Dinwiddie and Chad Kelly's played within it. He doesn't go out trying to throw for 400 yards. He goes out trying to win football games. And at the end of the day, he is, he's the best player on a historically good team. And so for me, that is at, at, at the hardest position in sports, uh, a position that like five people in the world are good at. <laughs> and and he's yeah. and he's he's incredible. So I think he would be my my outstanding player vote. And again, if you've only seen him against Calgary, you probably don't get a full sense of it because, first of all, Toronto. You haven't seen Toronto if you've only watched Toronto against Calgary because they don't look like that against most teams. I don't know what it is with Calgary. I, I it's the weirdest thing. Like Calgary, even these last. I mean, this year, but I mean, the first game ultimately, Chad Kelly got hurt after the first quarter, so it's hard. But like Calgary plays Toronto well. Or Toronto plays Calgary badly. I don't know which one it is. Um, but it's it's one of those weird matchups that you could basically always put in your calendar as like, okay, Calgary's gonna have its performance of the month against the it's, it's true. It's true. Like they they do not like going to Calgary for sure. I they they squeaked out a win in 2021, like right in the last minutes of the game. But yeah, other than that, it's been really it's just been tough going. So they, I, I would say, like to anyone that hasn't really seen him or just looks at the stats, like you have to watch him over a few games, and maybe, maybe the playoffs will be the time to really see the magic that he can create. He's a he's a special quarterback. He's at playing at a level that you just don't typically see in the CFL, and we're so lucky to have been exposed to him for this whole year. And I think just probably because of his age, he's probably going to uh, be around here. He signed a, a contract extension. I think he's going to be a CFL star for the next several years. I don't think he's going to end up south of the border. I think he's got the talent to, but I think if he were 25, 26, this might be a different story. I mean, that's what happened with Bo Levi Mitchell, right? Like ultimately 
by the time he was really ready to go, he'd sort of aged out from being someone who teams were going to develop over a number of years. Now, his shoulder obviously was also starting to impact him at that point. But um, yeah, I mean, really, if you're over, what, 25 or 26, chances are NFL teams aren't, aren't taking that long a look at you. Yeah, no, it's true. And that's, I think that's probably what's happened to him. And it's, it's too bad because I think, I think he is, again, the talent is, he's so, he's so accurate with the football, but he's also got a cannon of an arm. Like he throws as hard as like Jake Dolagala or any of the sort of power throwers, uh, Cornelius, he's got that cannon, but those guys, they, they miss just as much as they hit. He can place it pretty much anywhere he wants, but then he's also got the savvy to be able to read defenses. Like this was, this was one of the best players in college football playing for Ole Miss, a guy that, that beat Alabama in Alabama, like that just could yeah. take on anybody. And it was just, you know, a, a few, a few missteps uh, led to him. Uh, he had some growing up to do. He had yeah. some growing up to do. For he sure. did. And and he has, and he's just, uh, he's, he's the perfect teammate. He's, he's been great in Toronto. Has he, and now this is where we go to the sort of those intangibles when, and that I said, I wasn't going to do when it comes to sort of crowd and, and Toronto engagement, but has he broken through? Like, has he, do, do people, who might not be Argos fans. Like, is he, is he at all, has he transcended that little CFL bubble? Uh, more than, more than McLeod Bethel Thompson ever did. Yes. Uh, like yeah. he's, he's got a little bit of, because he's, because he's uh, Jim Kelly's nephew. That also helps. There's a lot yeah. of Buffalo Bills fans, a lot of NFL fans in general in Toronto. Um, mm-hmm. The Toronto sports fan tends to gravitate towards the bright, shiny light. And, and the Buffalo Bills uh, have a lot of fans in Toronto. And so, there is that. I think that has brought some people in. Like, again, we don't want to get back to attendance in total, but they are up 22% this year in attendance it's a figures. Big deal. And it's I think a, a lot deal. of that is Chad Kelly and just how he's a star, right? And you yep. need a star in Toronto. You can't, you can't sell, you can't sell a non-premier thing in Toronto without having a star attached to it. And you look at the years in which the Argos were big things. They had Doug Flutie. They had Rocket Ishmael. They had. The, you know the the brightest lights, and so Chad Kelly's a little bit of that. He's not hasn't quite got to that level, but it's also a different it's also a different age too. Yeah, well, and I mean, look, the Argos were in a different place in the mid '90s, but I mean, again, like I grew up, I, I I'm a Leaside kid, like I I grew up in in the city, um, and like Flutie is. It's funny because my first Grey Cup was in Hamilton when they beat Edmonton. But, like, I love Doug Flutie. Like, Doug Flutie was just the biggest star to me as anyone. The only problem with that is he then went to Buffalo, and I sort of followed him to Buffalo and then San Diego. Like, I became an NFL fan through Flutie, which I'm not sure is the, the greatest thing. But I also, like, I mean, I always stayed. I always loved the CFL. And for me, like, I have memories of just sort of, like, playoff games at the Skydome were a lot of fun. So if you had your pick, and we're talking purely just in terms of engagement and not crowd size, nothing like that, but is Montreal – a more fun matchup or is Hamilton a more fun matchup for you as someone who is in that Argos community? Like Hamilton obviously brings some fans down, but Toronto Montreal is just always a special rivalry. It is. And I, and I, I I'm just, I'm so tired of Hamilton. You don't understand. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't think it's been like that with anyone in Calgary. Toronto has played Hamilton 15 times since the pandemic, 15 times. <laughs> that includes that like, hasn't been that long. Like we're, we're just kind of yeah. out of the pandemic, like, but 15 times, because that includes a couple of preseason games, includes a playoff game, uh, a, a forgettable East final. It's just, I, I'm so like, personally, I'm just tired of seeing the Tiger Cats and they're playing really good football right now. I think it would be a really good matchup. Yeah. I don't know if Toronto fans want any part of Hamilton the same way that 
I think they, I think they'd rather play Winnipeg in the Grey Cup than Calgary, probably, <laughs> because it's, it's just one of those teams. Like I think Toronto fans want nothing to do with Hamilton, want nothing to do with Calgary. Bring on anyone else because they feel like as long as there's no. Uh, Can you imagine Tie Cats fans if after the Argos go sixteen and two, and the, and the Tie Cats stumble through a season with like four quarterbacks if they somehow won these? Oh man. It's a that would be a very Argos thing to do. Like that's how a lot of Argos <laughs> Grey Cups have come up is that they've you know stumbled into the playoffs and then got yeah. hot at the right time. Well, and I mean again, the thing with the Tie Cats is, to be honest, they've pretty much since Labor Day, and and maybe like they've they've been for me probably. Well, I also think Montreal hasn't been that bad. Like I, I think both of those two teams have actually like gotten hot. I, I think that the East has been a far more compelling division than the West. Um, I think the one thing that the West had was that you know that big winnipeg bc game at, at the start of october or maybe at the end of september so that was awesome because it was an actual fight for first place but the east has been more compelling to me and, and remains more compelling the playoffs in the east for me are much more interesting than the playoffs in the west i, I think so too like montreal montreal's a, a really good football team they've been they played the argos tough like the argos had to come from behind in both their wins in montreal the game in in toronto that they played montreal was resting a lot of guys they were really banged up it was a back-to-back and i think they kind of just sat anyone that needed to sit in the first matchup and it wasn't a good game and then everyone came back desperately trying to win that second one but both of those came down to the wire and chad kelly had to find both times it was demonte coxie with a ridiculous play uh, down the stretch of the game but so in that way i think the east has been compelling but over like over my right shoulder here i've got the standings these i I change these every week based on the standings the cfl helmets that. that i've got here i have not had to touch the east helmets since july 5th so these have been the standings wow. since July 5th. So yes, it has been compelling, but there hasn't been a lot of motion. And actually until this week, I hadn't moved uh, the West standing since week nine, I think. So there just hasn't generally this year been a lot of movement uh, in the in the division. Uh, because of my chair, no one's even seen Edmonton all season long. It's uh, They've been stuck <laughs> over there in the, in, the corner of, uh, oh, in the corner of the shelf. But yeah, the East, the East has been sort of set in their order, but I don't think that's necessarily indicative of the the type of football that Hamilton and Montreal have been playing as of late. I think either one of those teams, if they're on, can beat anybody. And we've seen them. We've seen them have great games against teams in the West, for example. Well, I mean, no, I mean, and to your point, I mean, I, I am one of those people. I, I believe that the Argos are historically good. And for the sake of, like, I like there being conversation and debate surrounding the league. Like, I know CFL.ca put up a, like, it is time for us to talk about the Argos. As being, and, like, I agree. Even if it doesn't play out, like it's just someone who cares about the league. Like those are the type of conversations you turn on ESPN and they're having after week two of, you know, Miami looks great. Is this the best offense of all? Like I have no problem with that type of conversation. It's a little bit hyperbolic, but it's fun. And I think it drives engagement. So, you know, I am one of those people who I think that the Argos are that good. And yet, like, I think they have a, the East final one way or another. I mean, I think Montreal and I bring them up because they're former Stampeders all the time. But like, I think the additions of Sankey and Lemon midseason were huge and then Hamilton like I had them basically out at the end of July I thought they were awful and then bit by bit and I don't even think it matters if Bo plays I think that they can win with either with either quarterback and I think that defense is locked in I think that we've just seen improvement all over the field and I mean Scott Milanovich is the type of guy who I would want game planning for a playoff game I'll tell you that yeah, for sure. They they're scary. They're they're playing well and I think they've kind of found something. For some reason Hamilton can make the two quarterback thing work better than other teams seem to be able to. 
it, usually that's death when you try and platoon guys. But for the last few weeks, they've had that sort of little bit of bow and then Schultz comes in and it, it's hard to prep for that because both quarterbacks are very different. It forces you as an opponent to game plan practices very differently. You spend an inordinate amount of practice time now preparing for this quarterback and you don't even know how much you're going to see them. And oh. you've got two different sets that you're now, you're basically getting half the practice time in. And that's what a situation like that does. If you can manage it well, usually teams can't. There's usually an issue because, of course, you're losing out reps for for one of your guys in your own practices. But both of those guys seem to be handling that situation very well. I have no idea what Hamilton's going to put out there against Montreal in the playoffs. Uh, are we going to see, I assume Bo will start. But is the plan for him to play the whole game? Who knows, right? And they're obviously they're not gonna, they're not going to be telling us what the plan is either. But I, I'm sure we'll see Schiltz at some point, especially being a former Alouette. I think he's I think he would love more than anything else to uh, to to finish that game. Uh, with, and he's uh, with proven Hamilton himself win. to be competent, right? Like he's yeah. he's absolutely proven that he's a guy you can win with. And I mean, like to your point about the two quarterback thing, it's I'm a big believer that you get like I can't judge a new quarterback in the CFL until six or seven games in because it's one team teams get tape on them and are able to really make adjustments that those teams are able to spend a week of practicing preparing for you know the the very specific things that that person's good at where those first two or three weeks I mean Dustin Crum we saw it with him beat Winnipeg heroic end of the game beat Calgary like looked Dustin Crum we were all thinking oh maybe maybe this is the the future and this is not a knock he may have a long uh, a long career in the CFL, but once teams got a little bit of tape on him, he wasn't quite as successful. And I, I do think that, like, yeah, if you can throw out two quarterbacks, they did it with Dane Evans and Mazzoli. They've they've done it so many times, and it you're right, somehow it works. Um, and as someone who covered a team that had a quarterback controversy last year with Bo and Jake, like it is notable that when the Stamps went to Jake, they stuck with him. They did not go back and forth at all. Um, and now there are debates as to how well that's worked. Um, Although I, there was no way Bo was sticking around this year um, in Calgary one way or another. But yeah, Hamilton, I like that. I I mean, I'll be honest with you. The one thing that I didn't ask you about, and in part because I didn't just want to do like a positional, like I didn't want to be like, tell me about the O-line, tell me about the D-line, tell me about the linebackers. But like, I, this Argos receiving core, like I just don't, like who's the number one guy? It just seems like all of them are good and all of them like have their moments Game to game, you never know who it's going to be, but they just have like five guys or at least four who are 100% capable of just coming up with 140 yards receiving in any given game. And that's where I just have the Argos beating anyone. I just think that the depth of talent at the, I mean, at the skill positions is is untouchable right now. Yeah, it's, it is pretty unbelievable. And it's become a running joke on our broadcast. Uh, my broadcast partner, Mike Hogan, asks me in our pregame show every week, Who's going to have the big game this week? And I get it wrong every week because you can't <laughs> predict it. I've never once, like whoever I pick ends up with one catch for six yards and someone else has like nine catches for 140 yards and three touchdowns. It's just every single week. That's what happens. And, and I, I think about it and I, I'm, I, I even watch practice and I can't, I still have no idea because it depends what it's what the defense gives you. And uh, Chad Kelly's so great at that. He will he'll wait and see who's there. And if it happens to be, it's DeMonte Cosi that's not being, you know, he's getting a lot of one-on-one matchups. He'll give, he'll give his guy a chance to make a play. If they're playing off DeVaris, they're playing a lot of zone. He knows that DeVaris is going to find those holes and sit. He'll do that. Cam Phillips has been hurt for a while. Curly Gittins Jr. too. But those are two guys too that they didn't even really get used as much. Phillips was getting a, a lot of targets. Gittins Jr., we remember like how sensational he's been. He's been so quiet this season, barely done a thing. 
And then they found, uh, you know, other pieces too, like Ungerer came in from Hamilton and he's been great. Um, yeah. They've got Dejan Brissett who can step in any day and, and be great. Tommy Neal has come out of nowhere this season and, and been really good. He was hurt most of the, most of the first half of the season. And then he couldn't even get on the, on the, the roster because it was, it was so crowded at that receiver position. It's a really tough team to scheme against. I don't envy opposing offensive and defensive coordinators where you're trying to think, well, what do we take away? Cause you know, you can't ever take away anything. But the problem is if you take one thing away, the, the Toronto Argonauts are ca completely capable of beating you with something else. Yeah, it's amazing. And since this is my podcast, I don't even really have a question here. I just want to comment because Devaris Daniels' first game was my first game. Like my first game covering the stamps was his. So like I have this, and I, I don't think he feels this way, but I have this like weird, like, like he's my guy. Like doesn't matter where he plays. He, he was just such a nice kid when he was breaking in so humble um had this like amazing speed it looked like he was just going to be in a thousand yard receiver year after year and like weirdly he he sort of for the next five six seasons became a like just reliable second or third option and then this year seeing him finally like how many cfl players in their seventh year finally get to a thousand yards he's 30 now you know this is the age where you sort of expect receivers to be slowing down and he comes out and has his best season um as a pro by far and i just i don't even know what my question is i just want to shout him out because um it's been an amazing story and if you know davaris you love davaris like he's just one of those guys who is like truly just a, a kind gentle he's a gentleman i'm not gonna say he's gentle he's a football player he's a he's a warrior but um it's been amazing to see yeah he he's he's the best uh no davaris is amazing he's so much fun to watch he's so skilled and he's kind of changed his game a little bit too like when he came out of notre dame he was he was sort of a, a speed guy like that's what what struck you <laughs> was like man this guy can move and what he's turned into instead and he was an outside receiver too and i still think i i've i've been on coach dinwiddie for a couple of years now because i think davaris is better on the outside dinwiddie just because of the personnel they've got it's sort of had to play him at that w spot the uh the boundary slot side because mm -hmm. they haven't really had another boundary slot. It's easier to find outside guys. And Devaris has turned himself into this. It's not, it, it's insulting to receivers. Sometimes when you call them, especially a former speed guy, when you call them a possession receiver. So that's not really the right word, but <laughs> he is just such a tactical route runner. He's great at finding space and, and he doesn't have the same speed that he once does. No one does at that. You know, when you get to that point in your career, no one's as fast as they were when they were 23 years old, but but he is, he's still, you know, still a great athlete, still got amazing hands, but he's so gifted at finding space and making himself a friend to quarterbacks. Like he finds not just his space in the, in the zone, he'll now find the window as he looks back for the ball. Uh, he'll find the window for, to help Chad uh, in his passing lanes. He's very aware of where Chad's moving too, and he'll follow him. He'll help him out. His scramble rules are, are terrific too. So he's just an all round great receiver, but in in learning to do something other than i think what made him pretty naturally gifted uh as a as a young athlete he's now you know, it's one of those things like if he had i think if he knew all the stuff that he knows now about playing the game of football if he knew that when he was when he was in his late teens early 20s he he, he would have been something else because he's got he's got every aspect of the mental game down now, but that's the unfortunate thing about football is everyone always says that is that by the time you kind of feel comfortable with your level of knowledge, you're too old to keep playing, but that's, you know, that's the, that's how the game works. I mean, as someone who's turning 40 next year, it's like you, re you realize as you go, like at 25, you're not what you were at 20 at 30, you are not what you were at 25. And like, there's just things you lose bit by bit. Um, so, which is why, I mean, again, I, I think it's incredible. And in, in, in that mental side, 
who who do you have coming out of the West? Uh, I, I, it's hard not to say Winnipeg. They, yeah. I, I think if BC had won that game the last time that they had played, and if this game were going to be in BC, I think I might be leaning that way, but only just slightly. Winnipeg's a really good football team. And I they, I know they've had some games where like Cameron Dukes went in there and everyone said, well, look, you know, they could barely be Cameron Dukes, but that, that wasn't Winnipeg. That wasn't the same team that we, we saw lay a beat down on, on people when they wanted to. They do have more off games than they've had in years past. I will say that they've had some some games where it's just like, what's going on here? The game in Edmonton where they were down twenty two nothing, they lost to Hamilton. They've had some weird losses, in fact, the, to Ottawa, little mental lapses. But I mean, the Labor Day game against the Riders, right? Yeah, so. and you're like, what is what's going on here? But then they, they sort of they fixed that a little bit the following Ooh. week and beat the Riders yeah. by five hundred <laughs> points. So, yeah, I I, I think. Until somebody beats them, I think you kind of have to go there. I'm excited to see somebody new. Winnipeg's been in the Grey Cup for, it feels like, a really long time. And so mm-hmm. the idea of someone new being there, I think, is exciting, whether that ends up being BC or Calgary. And so um, I, I think I'd find that more interesting. But I think at the end of the day, uh, preseason, I thought Winnipeg would come out of the West. And I still sit here in um, you know late October thinking that. That's where I'm at too. And I mean, the reality is like, I know that Calgary just sort of lay a beating on the lions, but like, we also know that the lions were not like, that was not the full lions. That was not the lions who are, who are opening up their playbook and, and, and trying to try and, I mean, I don't think they cared if they won or lost that one. Um, and I don't expect them to ever admit that, but like, it's just hard, like in a game like that. Now I thought the Stampeders actually legitimately looked good in that game for the first time, pretty much all season. So maybe they finally, you know, turned a corner and, and can give them a game. But um, I have to, I, I just have to respect that Lions team enough because I think that they were so close to being, to having that home game in the West final. Uh, so I, I, I do have it them. And it's just hard to see going into Winnipeg. And this has nothing to do with the fact that it's not cold in Vancouver. It just has everything to do with the fact that it's going to be freezing and Winnipeg plays pretty well in cold weather. Um, and look, if it's Winnipeg and Toronto, like I too, and there's nothing like I have so much respect for the bombers, but like next year, I'd like to see another team from the West in. I'm a little bit bored by it, but it's, it's incredible what the bombers have done. And it, you just can't, how can you pick against them? I don't, you know, it, prove me tough. wrong. BC, yeah. Prove and me wrong Calgary, but how can I pick against them? Yeah, it's tough too, but it, it would be nice. Cause like the, you know, back, back to the helmets, that's the same order that everyone finished in last year, right? Like nothing has changed. It's the same, it's the exact same standings as last season in the same Is playoff really? matchups. Yeah. Everything finished the exact same and you've got the same East and West semis. And, you know, if it ends up being the same East and West final, um, like could you have an entire <laughs> season that goes the exact same way? Like if, if it ends up being Montreal and <laughs> Montreal and, uh, and in Toronto and and Winnipeg and in BC uh, and then Winnipeg and Toronto, uh, it could end up just being a carbon copy of 2022. So it's I, I, I don't think that's That's amazing. Yeah, that's it's not. I don't think that's great. <laughs> I think you know. I think there's. I think it'd be nice that after all this, like after all is said and done, you just played you know a couple weeks of preseason and then <laughs> 21 weeks of regular season, and oh, it's just it's just where we left last it's year. It's just so funny to think that like there was so much movement. Like Hamilton went out, acquired all these guys. BC lost Nathan friggin' Roar. I know. And, you know, like and, and then it all eh, all wound up being exactly the same. That's like like how many teams have different quarterbacks now, and yet it's still same. That's fascinating, actually. Um, huh. <laughs> I'm definitely going to try to isolate this clip and put it on social because that's really interesting. <laughs> it's, it's weird. Um, 
Yeah. Okay. Well, I have kept you. I, I said half an hour, and I've kept you for over half an hour. So I, I, I want to let you go. Is there anything you want to you want to throw to? Uh, I mean, as I've said, definitely remind people about the about the double underscore. But I, I want to make sure people check you out because um, I've been waiting. I had Pete Costanza on. I've had a couple of Argos people, but there's just to be honest, like I've, I've been meaning to have you on for so long because I I think this Argos team deserves the spotlight we gave them today, and that, that you were able to give them, and I really appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate that. And yeah, you can follow me at Ben double underscore grant on Twitter. Uh, and you can find my stuff three down nation X's and Argos. And yeah, you can listen to the you can listen to the road radio broadcast or the home radio broadcast if you want for the for the East final, uh, whoever Toronto ends up playing against, uh, you're welcome to to sync your TVs if you want a Toronto flavor to the to the matchup. Um, that's something that uh, you could always try it as well. That's awesome. Ben, thank you so much. Uh, that was incredible. Thanks. I appreciate it. Guys, what are you doing tonight? I don't know what you're doing tonight. You're probably looking for something. Guys, you got to go check out Mike's Pub. This is probably my favorite pub in the city, 1330 15th Avenue Southwest, right in the Beltline. Honestly, they do it all. I, for years, played trivia on Wednesday nights at Mugs. It's the best trivia night in the city. Other nights, they got music. They got specials every single night. Some of the best food and drink specials in the entire city are at Mugs Pub. You want wine. You want beer. You want cocktails. They got it all. Big fan of their fish and chips. They got some amazing pizza. You want to watch the game? They got TV screens. You want to just have a drink with friends? Perfect spot to do it. You want to have some food? As I said, it's delicious. Mugs Pub. We love having them as a sponsor. We love having them just down the road from us here at our studios. Check out Mugs Pub. They're the best. All right, man. That was amazing. Um, I know for you know some of you guys who aren't big Argos fans, that's probably a lot of Argos con- content and a lot of Argos talk, but you know, uh, I think that they deserve it. And Ben is just such, you can tell how much he knows about football, right? Man, that was such a, that's such a cool conversation for me to have as a guy who grew up there as a guy who really does think that these Argos are, have done something special this year and have the potential to, to be a team that we talk about for many, many, many years to come. So um, yeah, that was fascinating. That was awesome. Um, and that's kind of that. I mean, we talked a little bit about in the, in the intro about the team awards, but, you know, I'd be lying if I said I didn't feel like I had to dig in more before I can fully break that down. But we'll have Busby on on Monday's episodes. Probably try to get someone else uh, from one of the other markets too, and and maybe that'll be sort of an a CFL awards podcast. I think it's probably time for that um, because we'll start. We're, we're going to start talking about the playoffs. Obviously, it's 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 time we're there. Um, but I don't know that there's going to be a ton that I want to break down. I don't want to just do a podcast where I talk about a bunch of 15 to 13 games and, and uh, be negative about it. That's not what the goal of live from the 55 is. So likely Sunday, Sunday for Monday, uh, we'll be doing some pretty heavy, uh, heavy awards talk. And I'd, I'd love to get, you know, let's just see if we can get someone from Winnipeg in. Um, I, I think that their nominations were really interesting and, and bang on to be clear. Um, but there's stuff to talk about that. I just don't, I will say from a Calgary perspective, I'm not looking at this, list of stampeders awards nominees and necessarily thinking that there's going to be anyone who is going to be representing the stamps at great cup week for for cfl awards um they just haven't had the season look when the stamps were finishing top of the of the west division and going to the great cup every year we saw them get a couple of nominees for for end of season awards this team i don't think i don't think it's put the results together where where that's something we can realistically expect i, I Cam Judge should be an all-star. I think Mike Rose should be an all-star. I think Reggie Bagleton definitely will be an all-star. And I mean, that's the question with Mike Rose and and Cam Judge. What I have to go do is compare them to the rest of the league. And, you know, I think Cam Judge, if you just go based on big plays, it's it's hard to argue. Uh, He's had, he's been exceptional this year, but is that going to be enough? Or, I mean, 
it wasn't enough for most outstanding defensive player among Calgary voters. So, um, yeah, you know, award stuff, I think we got to focus in on that. So that, that'll be the plan going forward. But beyond that, yeah, we got Winnipeg and Calgary on Friday. Uh, we got Hamilton and Montreal on Saturday, potentially an East final preview, although I don't expect it to really give us a ton of information about either of those teams. And then, yeah, you got Toronto, Ottawa also on Saturday night. Um, man, we'll see. Uh, I don't know if... I don't know how much I'm going to watch of that game because that's a that's not exactly a cracker. But who cares, guys? Playoffs are on the corner. Lots to talk about. All-stars, awards, everything. I hope there's some MLP debate that we have going on. But um, that is it for me. Thank you so much to Muggs. Thank you to Razor and Fig. Thank you to the producer, Jack. RJ, our editor. Man, they this, this podcast doesn't go out without the two of them. And thank you to you. Like and subscribe if you want. Please pass it on to your friends. Um, We'll be back Monday. Enjoy the weekend, guys. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.